Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. This is episode 55 uh, after our dear friend Nicholas Cronwall, who uh, most likely won't be on the team next season. But I am here with Ryan and Tyler on a lovely Wednesday night. How are y'all doing tonight? And I don't know why I said y'all. That was weird. You're just going right in for that Southern. You trying to reach out to our Southern fans here, Greg? Yeah, all our two Southern fans. Probably two. Maybe three. I'll go with three. Anyways, I'm good. How are you? I'm fine, Tyler. I'm doing good. Uh, just watching the playoffs a lot. They've been pretty wonderful, honestly. I mean, I really can't complain besides the fact that the fucking Bruins are on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, can can the Carolina Hurricanes please beat them? Like, No, Tyler. I would rather have the Bruins beat the Hurricanes so that everyone can shut the hell up about Peter Mrazek and then have the Bruins lose in the final. Yeah, but I'd rather not see the Sharks win the Stanley Cup. I, I no, please. It's no. not going to be the Sharks, though. It's going to be the Blues. The Blues. It, I'd be Sharks okay just need that. to make it so we have that second round pick. Yeah, I'd be okay. Yeah. With that. Oh, that's a good point because I totally wanted the Abs to win and then suffer a defeat at the hands of the Blues, but I want the Sharks to win now. It's a good Thank point. you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so yeah. tonight we're we're we can all agree that we are doing good, right? Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm not bad. Let's right. not ruin that. Okay. So I think part of what made uh, our our week so great, I guess. So we've got a couple things to go over, but first we're going to start with the news. Of well, actually, you know what? What we're going to say first is congratulations to the Toledo Walleye for making it to their uh, was it the conference finals? Yep, that starts here. I think this weekend, correct? If I remember seeing the tweets correctly. Yeah. So the Toledo Walleye made their conference finals. We had someone ask us last week what people from the walleye do we think have a chance at, at making a Red Wings roster? I told them that um, Pope and Sadoe are kind of a long shot. Uh-huh. I think that given time, Zach Gallant could make the uh, Red Wings roster. He's young. He's come up pretty quickly. And he's provided some pretty good leadership and a pretty good depth center. I mean, he probably projects to be a third, fourth line center. But I think he, out of the entire uh, walleye roster would be the one to possibly make the wings. Didn't, didn't they pick him up like what, two years ago? I think it was two drafts ago. I, I remember the name because I remember them talking about it, but to the point of when they play game one is this Friday night. Today is Wednesday, May 8th. So Friday, May 10th is their first game in Toledo at home. Got it. Yeah, we picked up Zach Gallant in 2017 in the third round, number 83 overall. Uh, he had 25 points in 30 games with Peter uh, Peter Burrow Peets, and in 2017 he had 31 points in 54 games. So he really upped his game between uh, 2017, 18, and 18, 19. And right now he has four points in four games with the Walleye. 
So I think Gallant is probably the most likely out of all the walleye prospects to make it onto a Red Wings roster at some point. Probably just not soon. Good job, walleye. And we are going to talk about our first main subject tonight, which is Ken Holland. And if you haven't seen over the uh, past week, the extremely awkward press conference where uh, Edmonton introduced Ken Holland as their new general management, uh, general manager and VP of hockey ops, or is it president of hockey ops? He's president of hockey operations as well. With, as with full autonomy. Yeah, yeah gen- pretty much. and they made sure to make that clear. He is the general manager and president of hockey operations with full autonomy, meaning that uh, at least to the public, it will be perceived that no one is getting in his way, which I think could hurt him because behind the scenes, there could be people getting in his way, but he can't talk about it. And they've, they've said publicly, we're not getting in his way. So if he messes up, that's on him. And he really can't blame anyone because the full autonomy line came out in public. Uh-huh. What do you guys feel about Holland moving right after Chris Illich said that he was signing a contract to stay on? And do you think it was all kind of bullshit? Do you think Illich was bullshit and just to save face? I don't think so. I, I think from what I've read, I mean, they could be doing the straight political move like we always talk about at this point every year. But, I mean, it sounds like every indication was that that was the intent to have Kenny stay on and retire Red Wing because, I mean, until this point, he was there for 36 years. I mean, for most people in any job, you're with a company for that long and you're going to stay there and retire unless something stupid or crazy happens. And I think the crazy thing happened and he decided to keep going. I think one of the biggest things, I think Kenny more than anybody else felt that he probably would go somewhere else. But I think the offer that, I mean, you what five for 25, that's pretty tough to pass up as a GM in a GM role. So yeah, I, I don't think that that was the true intent, but it's not surprising in a way. Yeah, what I think is, um, I think that the intent was to keep him on, and and I think that Ken wanted that. And then, when when he you know stepped back or I guess stepped up, it looked like he probably thought that you know no one would come calling, and you know probably stupid of him because you know obviously he's one of the best GMs in the last twenty five years or maybe even more than that, and he obviously was going to have some suitors. And then when he got the offer from the Oilers, he probably just couldn't pass it up. And plus, you know, he had that probably had that desire to continue being a general manager, but he knew in Detroit it wasn't the right thing. It was the right thing to let Steve Eisenman come back and take over. And he probably had some kind of burn in his belly to continue, um, you know, being a GM, but it just, you know, he knew it wasn't going to be in Detroit. Generally, when you have a burn in your belly, it's acid reflux. But... <laughs> Ken oh, Holland, you're so funny, Greg. You're he had so said, funny. he had you said in the a, press conference, a burn in your, whatever, you know, whatever way you want to say it, but you know, an urge to still be a GM, and you know, uh, he got that offer and he just couldn't refuse it. Yeah, he said that when Eiserman was named general manager, him and Stevie, and I think he said uh, Martin went out to go scout the under eighteen, mm-hmm. and he had just kept thinking that he still has the will to be a general manager and the fire and the readiness. And that's what he wants to do is be a GM. So when Bob Nicholson called him, they had their talks and it all happened relatively quickly. Yep. Uh, But yeah, Ken Holland is, is now the general manager of the 
Edmonton Oilers. He goes from one team with severe cap issues to another team with severe cap issues. And uh, players like Milan Lucic on a $6 million deal forever, uh, which provides you absolutely they're nothing. Just, they're just an advocator. So really it's fitting for him to go over there to that, to that yeah, situation. It's their just an advocator <laughs> plus is what it is. Mm-hmm. But we've got some interesting stats on Ken Holland's career. So I think uh, one of the big ones that Ryan found was Ken Holland was named the NHL GM of the decade from 2000, 2009 by sportsillustrated.com. He had four president's trophies, 2002, 2004, 2006, and 2008, 10 division championship. He won five regular season conference titles, 02, 04, 06, 07, and 08. He reached at least 100 regular season points at a league high 13 times in the last 17 seasons. So that's crazy. I think that, and I guess it all depends on how long Ovechkin goes for. I think Tampa and um, the Caps may be the only people to come anywhere near that. So going back to 08, 09 for the Caps, they've done it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times in the last 11 years. And the other time before that was in 99, 2000. When did they do it in the last? How many times did they do it in the last five? Uh, going back to fourteen, fifteen, they've done it every year. Uh, how far back have they done it? If okay, you go so eight years, if you go back to the nine ten season, they've it's seven. Okay, so that means seven out of the last nine eight ten years. Yeah, they'd have to see. But the thing is, is Ov can't keep up what he's doing forever. So I, I don't think any team is really going to reach that threshold. Let's see, what else has he done? And we just figured this out before the show. Since he was appointed to his current position, which now it's not his current position. Right. Uh, since July of 1997, the Red Wings have 925 regular season wins and 119 playoff wins for a total of 1,044 <laughs> wins since July of 1997. Which, if you think about it, that's pretty nuts. That's a lot of winning. I think the only one was that's remotely near that is Poyle, correct? Over in Nashville? Yeah, let's see, he's been there since the beginning, hasn't he? Yeah, he's the only one that's that was more tenured at a single team. And I think the last stat that was pretty cool was um, during his time as a scout, Holland mm-hmm. was involved and oversaw the drafts that got the Red Wings, Lidstrom, Fedorov, Konstantinov, Kozlov, McCarty, and Osgood. So he was instrumental in drafting some of the big name players that are, I mean, Lindstrom and Federals, they're, they're legends for the Red Wings. I mean, Konstantinov and McCarty to an extent, and Ozzy. I mean, really all of them are. Kozlov is probably the least known guy out of that group that you just named off. He's yeah. still part of the Russian five, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. But of the names that he named, like, you're still seeing consistently at Wings games now, McCarty. Konstantinov is still in the area. You mentioned Nick Lidstrom to anyone and they get a boner. Uh, <laughs> Fedorov is still the the Russian. I mean, yeah. it, and then Ozzy, he's still around doing the games and everything. So, yeah, I mean, all, wearing all those fancy guys, scarf and everything. <laughs> this is bright, his beautiful maroon and red scarves. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, Holland has a lot, a lot on his resume. I mean, he's a first ballot Hall of Fame general manager once he retires, of course. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that even if you have all this beautiful stuff, sometimes bad things overshadow your good things. Justin. Like, 
like a seven-year, $4.25 million contract for Justin Applicator. Jonathan um, Erickson. Yeah, Erickson's contract. Steven yeah. Weiss. Yeah, grasping at straws to sign oh, Franz God. Nielsen because all the other good uh, free agents were gone. Legwand. Kyle Quincy. God damn it. <laughs> Kyle, Eric Cole. God damn you, Kyle Quincy. Eric Zidlitsky. Eric Cole would have been fine if he was injured, I think. He, like, died um, after, like, three games. Yeah, like, broke his neck or yeah, something. Yeah, it was a severe – I forget yep. exactly what it was, but it was something severe with his neck that if he would have played, he would have been severely hurt. Yeah, but, I, I mean, you can't really – so we're still paying Stephen Weiss. God. Like, two more years, right? Stephen I think Weiss? so. I think yeah, it's almost, that, that's almost gone. Yeah, so thank God. He has a resume that cannot be matched really by any other general manager, almost in the history of hockey. But when you make so many questionable moves, and and people will say he made those moves to extend the streak, okay. But at what Some point? Of those I, yeah, I absolutely agree with because they, but they still had a solid core in place that they could do something with that. They just yeah. didn't. But at what point does your your owner tell you we need to keep the streak alive? Do you not say back to him? But at what cost? Like mm-hmm. we're we're mortgaging the future for a few more wins now to sell a few more tickets now, but we're going to be bad for five years down the line. I mean, yeah, well, it's, we're living through that right now. Exactly. So I mean, it, it, when you do make so many moves like the Erickson signing, Applicator signing, Weiss. Um, Nielsen, Danny DeKaiser to an extent, Darren Helm to an extent. When you make those kinds of signings that close together or do stuff like that that close together, you're it's fresher in people's memory. And over time, that's not what he'll be remembered for. But for the next, for the foreseeable future, a lot of people will see it as Ken Holland, mostly negative because look what he's left us with now. To that point of at what cost, First round picks were the cost. Yep. I mean, you, you go back yep. starting in so 2012, they didn't have a first round pick. They didn't have a first round pick in 11. 2010 was Riley Sheehan. 09, no first round pick. Their pick in 08, the cup year, was Tommy McCollum, who didn't uh. do shit. <laughs> Brendan Smith. Then back in 06, no first round pick. 05 was Jakob Kindle. <laughs> but then here's here's he where it really hits hard. Yeah, uh, yeah, here's where it really hurts the most is that you go back to like 04, they had no first or second round pick. 03, no first or third round pick. 02, no first round pick. I mean, this is getting deep, way deeper than we need to. But like they like to what you just said, Greg. More at do you mortgage the future on this shit? It's they traded so many assets away. Like that first round pick in the fucking Kyle Quincy trade ended up being fucking Vasilevsky in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I don't like yep. playing what ifs. They also did win four cups, go to five. They also had chances to, you know, they were in the final four a few times. There were, you know, years that they were President's Trophy winners and lost in the first round. There were years that they had great seasons and lost in the first round or second round. There's years where they lost in, you know, the third round. You know, it just. There was a ton of cost there, but there was also a ton of reward because you built something that was sustainable. Yeah, and I mean, you can't generally blame a lot of the losing on the general manager until you have losing seasons. If you have no. a winning, se- if you have a winning season, 
and you lose in the playoffs. Okay, you but you made it to the playoffs and, and you've Still shown win. that your team is a good team. But just like I can't blame you can't blame Iserman for Tampa shit in the bed in the first round because right, he put it. together a good team. Look at 063. No, but you can you can blame Julian Brisewall for not doing anything at the trade deadline. Yeah, but I, and I, what were they going to do? What were they going to do though? I wouldn't have done anything at the trade deadline if I was Why Tampa. Not? Why not? It's like Why the Chicago Bulls when they won 72. What are you going to do to that team? Well, because obviously it wasn't good enough. That's what, no, that's no, why. but it was perceived at that point. It was perceived as good enough. They're the best team in the league by far. Yeah, I don't think. See, but you have to look at that at that point in time and say, look, okay, yes, we're doing really good. There's obviously going to be a slip at some point in our game. Unfortunately for them, it was in four games in uh, in late April or mid April, and uh, for... they were done. For that loss, for that series loss, I completely blame the players 100%. Yeah. Because I think yeah. they... They weren't there. Well, they, they didn't take Columbus seriously. No. They didn't, nope. No. They thought, oh, well, we can just sweep past these guys because they barely made it into the playoffs by, like, two games, I think. Yeah. And, and we're so much better. We're the Pleasants Trophy winners. We've got this crazy season going on. We tied the Red Wings record with an asterisk. We're just going to trample them. And they didn't. They had no response for for just Columbus relentlessly attacking them. And I think the biggest thing for Columbus, too, going and not trying to take away from the fact that they barely got into the playoffs, but they were firing at all cylinders those last week, two weeks of the season. And they took that momentum and they didn't fucking slow down against Tampa. And it showed. I mean, they stomped a hole in Tampa and Tampa Mm -hmm. had no response, which is and I don't fault the general manager, just like you can't fault Holland for for first round exits sometimes you can fault the coach for not having the team ready which is a big overused I think statement he didn't have the team ready I think half maybe a quarter of that falls on the coach mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot can fall on the coach for not changing schemes midway through to respond to stuff or or not motivating between periods telling them that, like being hard enough on them to get their shit together I don't know how crazy of a coach Cooper is behind the scenes, but I mean, I can blame that on him. I know Babcock would peel the paint off the walls in between periods <laughs> when the Red Wings weren't doing well, but yeah. I mean, you can, you can blame a general manager if your team is losing midway through the season and you don't make any changes, but if you, it looks odd if you're the best team by far midway through the season and you make changes. I think that looks weird, Yeah, but and one other thing I was going to mention about the draft piece, I know some people are like, well, you don't always get the great things in the first round. And really, if you look at Detroit's history, especially going back to guys that are still playing, so back to 07, 08, Holland's drafts have really been the money from thir- th- the third round to the fifth round. Gus was a fourth-round pick. Uh, Mrazek was a fifth-round pick even though there's debate on if whether or not he was worth anything. Uh, Anthony Sioux, fourth-round pick. Burt was a late second. Christopher N. was a fourth-round pick, who turned into Glenn Denning 2.0. Billy Sariarvi was a third-round pick. I think not enough yeah. is being said for Ken Holland, what he's like put on the tee for, for Steve Eisenman. Like, I mm-hmm. think the Red Wings are in a much better situation right now than they were last year or even than they were a few years ago like Steve Eisenman comes in and the cupboards aren't totally bare it gets to a point where 
you know, that they have people stacked in the cupboards now. And, you know, it's not totally full like it would be in Tampa or anything like that. But they're in pretty good shape. They have some prospects and they have um, a lot of draft picks. And I think Colin's done a pretty good job to start the rebuild. Now, um, Eisenman is going to have to, you know, kind of build on that and kind of go from there. Ted Colfin with Detroit News actually had a good little article that was published today, actually, uh, late afternoon. And he went around asking some NHL pundits about what they thought the direction of the wings was. And most of them were actually pretty impressed with what Holland was able to put together the last couple of years to kind of further your point there, Tyler. So it's, it's not all doom and gloom. I think we've been kind of preaching that since the start of the season for what's already there and what's coming. So it's, he's done well, but most people, most assholes of the wet Red Wings fandom, which sometimes we can be included in that are going to remember Justin Advocator and Jonathan Erickson type shit rather than what he's been doing in drafts and everything else. Yeah, but I think we're going to lay down right now. We are not bashing Ken Holland. No. We will criticize no. him for his bad moves and we will laud him for his good moves. I sometimes get drunk and say things, but that is neither here nor there. <laughs> but Greg, the other thing you could say too is like, you know, you've been somewhere for such a long time, you're bound to make some kind of mistake. Yeah, and he said that in his presser. You, you know. He said, yeah. you got to be, you, you're bound to make mistakes. Every general manager is bound to make mistakes. And I even said that on Twitter and people are running at me on Twitter saying, why are you bashing Ken Holland? I'm not bashing. It's the same thing we do about the team in general. You criticize a team when they make moves that are not best for the team. So you can criticize Ken Holland for the bad moves that he made. You just have to realize that he's made many more good moves than he's made bad moves. Like we said, yep. he's a first ballot Hall of Fame general manager. There's no doubt in my mind, but you can say that the advocator signing was bad. You can say that the Nielsen signing was bad. You cannot say, however, that he looked into the future seven years down the road and thought that this was going to be the position the Red Wings would be in. That's bullshit. And I'll call you out on that because yeah. he will even admit that. And he said it again during the press conference. Some of the signings he made did not turn out the way he thought they were going to turn out. And I guarantee you, he was talking about Nielsen and advocator. Bingo. And Erickson. Stephen Weiss. And Weiss. Exactly. I so, think the biggest one of that group that didn't pan out is Advocator. Yeah. Well, they signed yep. to him for what he did on one season instead yeah. of signing Same him for what they thought he was going to do. Really, all the guys you just, we just mentioned were signed to a lucrative deals based off one good year. Because yeah. Nielsen was able to ride the coattails of a good Islanders team and being with John Tavares, which Detroit has no Would one you... that can be at the level of Tavares at this moment. No. Would you guys go down the road and saying even he even overpaid uh, Johan Franzen for one really big playoff I, run? No, I don't think he overpaid Franzen because you can't. I, I think if Franzen would have stayed healthy, I mean he had his seasons were great when he was healthy and when he was I on Franzen. the ice. I'm not saying I didn't. I'm just I'm just saying. I don't I mean, think most so. people compare compare the Franzen deal to Hosa leaving, but I think there was more there was more at play overall than just the Franzen piece. I think he wanted to bring both back. It just so happened that Franzen was the one that he was able to afford. Yeah. And right. I think, I think if Franzen would have stayed healthy, I mean, he would have been, and, and he was a great player and he would have stayed a great player. Uh, it's just unfortunate that he had the concussion issues and that's a whole yep. nother subject that we'll get into on another podcast because Franzen, like he's there's some pretty dark stuff uh, yeah. with, with Franzen. He's having a super rough go 
uh, and it just points to the the issues that the league's having with CTE and concussions and, and players just beating the shit out of each other and and Gary Bettman saying there's no correlation. I, fucking I would hate say that, less man. so it's, now it's not... as players know about this kind of stuff. You know, as we go forward, you know, I guess from 07, 08, or even before 07, 08, now you're starting to learn that. And so players, you know, they know that coming in. Where before they, you know, they had no idea they were just playing and, you know, you get We've dinged had... up a little bit. You go back to the bench and you come back out and, you know, you're seeing stars, but you don't care because there's Stanley Cup on the line or, you know, whatever. Except yeah. for that we've had two suspensions for head hits in this playoffs alone. Well, exactly. And that's why I'm saying that, that you know, the league is trying to they, – they've been trying to get that out for a long time. And I think they've done a pretty good job. The league isn't as dirty as it once was. Um and I think I think this is the cleanest hockey we've seen in a long time, except you have Brad Marchand running around out there. Yeah, like a fucking we'll idiot. There. Hmm. Fuck that guy. Yeah, we're we're going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. All right, enough. But, I'm gonna pull us out. But I mean I mean the other thing too, how how many general managers in hockey for what Holland's choice to step aside to let Stevie come in, how many GMs can say that they had Forbes write an article about a leadership lesson for stepping inside to let someone else take over? Yeah, it's. I mean, that, that, I mean, that's the type of leader that was in charge of Detroit, I and mean, he was there for 36 years. GM, what, 22? Is that what it was? 22 yep, seasons. Yep. I mean, I mean, I don't really can't say that I read Forbes too often, but in doing a little bit of searching on Kenny Holland, April 23rd, they had a full write-up on what it meant for a leader to take swallow his own pride and step aside for someone younger and likely better to come in and take the reins while he's there to help him out. I mean, now he's gone, granted, but it's to that. It's having, yeah. it's having the foresight to know that your time is up and that you're not going to be able to get the team to the point where it needs to be in the time you have left. Here's what gets me going, though. Why does Edmonton think it's going to be any different there than it was here in Detroit? Is that really cap, a question? Their cap situation is not much better. It's Edmonton. They're consistently making bad right. decisions. You got to, and what, you know what sucks about. Lucic too for that contract is it's a no movement clause until 2021 because they're dumb that's I mean Peter Chiarelli is one of the worst I don't even know how he got that position but how did he win a Stanley Cup I don't know dumb luck but to that point also only three total contracts have in the have no movement clauses on their whole roster not including the goalies everyone else is completely expendable for the oilers for holland to wheel and deal if he needs to which is good which means they can trade them for darren helm and danny de kaiser and jonathan erickson yeah when was the last time um when was the last time ken holland made an actual hockey trade between two teams that actually worked out for both sides greg didn't you tweet that out a little bit ago the the most recent actual trade, or I saw somebody was bitching about it. Maybe it wasn't you. Ken Holland was not known for making player for player trades. He no. was known for making player no. for pick trades. Uh, we know that by the, the, asset the David Leguan deal. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, in all in all seriousness, it's Ken Holland, great GM. Thank you for his time. Good luck in Edmonton. Let's I let's rein in the Iserman era. Soak it all in. Give and Stevie my shirt right now. Yep, and see what happens. Uh, Still need we to get will... one of our own shirts. I'm not really supporting the brand very well, but it is what it is. I have that shirt too. Bring hockey back is great. Yeah, they got some good shit. Except I for still the need... we, we've got good shit. I make. Oh, it. we do. We have. We, we have do better have good shit. shit. <laughs> I, that's why I said I'm not really supporting the brand right now. 
Um, so we're going to move on to, and we'll just mention this pretty quickly. Um, Iserman made his first move by signing Pat Verbeek uh, as an assistant general manager. Pat Verbeek was with Tampa, uh, was in Tampa with Iserman. And uh, he's in, I think most people thought he was going to bring him over. The initial thought by Elliot Friedman was that uh, ha- uh, that Iserman would be president of hockey ops and Verbeek would be general manager. But uh, as it turned out, I mean, and for the better, that Iserman will be GM and Verbeek will be an assistant. So mm-hmm. Verbeek brings a lot of experience. He played for the Red Wings. He's a little ball of hate. It's good yeah. to have him back. Uh, I'm just. Uh, and Pat Fershweiler has been notified that he will not return as an assistant coach. So the Red Wings will be finding a new assistant coach. Which but, isn't really a bad thing. No, not at all. I mean, it's always better. I mean, maybe we'll get one with hair so that Pierre doesn't get confused. And, and speaking of that, and I was just to bring this up real quick. I did a, I, I should have been working when I did this. But this was I, fantastic, by the way. I did a fun little research uh, study. So our good friend Sarah over at uh, Winging It in Motown, you know her. She was on our podcast. Helmeroids. Helmeroids. She had the question, I wonder what the bald to not bald ratio of coaches is in the NHL. So I went, and this was, I don't know why I spent so much time on this. I went to every team's website, looked at their coaches, assistant coaches, and associate coaches, the guys behind the bench. You looked at all and, of them? Uh, 109 different coaches that uh, went into the study here, and I graded them in four different categories. Bald, mostly bald, mostly not bald, and not bald. There are four. So, Tyler, you would be considered bald. Good. So, uh, and she even asked, what's Jeff Blaschel considered? I said, well, he shaves his head, so he's bald. Yeah, that's that counts. That's what I did. And the results are, I'm like a clickbait article. The results will shock you. 54% of uh, NHL coaches are not bald. They have wow. full full heads of hair. Uh, what 20... does Bruce Cassidy count as? Hold on. I got to look up his picture. I, I had to do a lot of Googling. To I would say mostly he... not bald. Because he's got he a bald, bald spot, like an on right? the top. I, I also found out that a lot of NHL teams' websites blow and they don't format it well because i had to search google for something no bruce cassidy is nowhere near bald yeah, i said mostly not bald so bruce uh, so not bald. Okay. so 50 54 are not bald 20 percent are mostly not bald 10 percent are mostly bald and 16 percent are completely bald so i'm more impressed by that 16 percent because i know it's shocking most guys can't pull it off on a bald head thankfully i when i did shave my head for most of you this is a little background I shaved it just because I was lazy, and now I'm not allowed to because my wife said so. Um, yeah, but it's don't actually, do it. It's kind of refreshing. It's it's so it, much it's easier awesome. to deal with. So I, I can't blame that 16%. I found Look there are some this. guys that have crazy hair, too. Uh, I think one of the Minnesota Wilds coaching staff has, like, uh, an emo haircut, like a swoopy emo haircut, and he's, like, probably in his mid-30s. So, and his hair's like red. He's like a ginger. It's crazy. Um, but, and then I found a lot of guys probably need to like shave their, like Lindy Ruff needs to shave his head. So uh, my next task has been figuring out what the win-loss ratio between bald coaches and non-bald coaches is. And that's going to take a little more research. But we're going to move on to Greg, you have too much time on your hands. Greg, you need to send me these details and I can toss this shit in a tableau. 
<laughs> it's gonna be crazy. We, we'll, we'll get the, we'll hook up with uh, was it? Oh, Micah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get with Mike. Uh, Micah said this is above his. That's above his pay grade. He said that. figuring out the win loss ratio. Yeah, you send but, me that stuff. We'll go. We'll go with the ball ratio, and then get the win loss. I can make some fun little charts in Tableau. I wanted Prashant on it. <laughs> So, He'd uh, do it in five minutes. He's great yeah. with math, isn't he? Uh, who? Yeah. Like Prashant. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we're uh, uh, we're going to go on to some more serious stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about the first player move that Steve Eiserman made or is making. He has not made it yet. Uh, it's been reported that it will happen after the Worlds. But we will be the Red Wings, and if everything goes correctly, we'll be signing uh, Alawer Kasky. Now that's Alawer not Oliver, unless the Finns pronounce their it's W's like V's. I was going to say, is it pronounced Oliver? It, it might <laughs> Could be. Could be if Oliver. The, if the Finns pronounce their W's like V's like the Germans, then it's Oliver. But reading it, it looks like Oliver. Uh, Oliver Kasky, who is uh, the MVP this year of uh, the Pelicans in the Liga, which is the Finnish men's league, the top league in Finland. He finished this season with 19 goals and 51 points in 59 games. Mm -hmm. He is absolutely, if you look at his highlight reels, and Ryan brought this up, Ryan says he looks a lot like Philip Peronic. In his playing style, yes, in the offensive zone. I haven't seen his defensive highlights, but I watched uh, like an eight-minute video of his 18-19 season, and the way he moves the puck and the way he shoots the puck definitely reminded me of Heronic, the way he looks for guys in front of the net to shoot off of. He looks for sticks in the lane and he's actually, he just got a, a hard shot in general and he will let it go from pretty much anywhere. And he's not afraid to attack the net. Um, somebody else, I forget who it was. I was talking to online said that they kind of remind him of Sulak and the fact that he's got great offensive potential, but his defense is suspect which you could kind of say the same about Heronic in most in instances. So it's it'll be interesting. What's awesome, though, is that he led the, the Liga in most categories. Like his point total was sixth on the league among players, so six most points among all players in the league. Only two defensemen had a higher point total in the history of the Finnish League. Uh, after the regular season, he got the, oh, how the fuck, the Lassie Oxenen Award which is given to the best player uh, in the league during the regular season. And he won that award voted by it's a voted on award um, by a very wide margin. He won that award. He also was like uh, first in defenseman for scoring first in defenseman for uh, points, points. And like, yep. I, yeah, like I said, sixth among all players for points, but what's even crazier is that, like I said, this year in uh, 59 games, he had 51 points. Last season in 49 games, he had 16 points. So his production, uh, and he's 23, his production jumped like nuts, like crazy. And looking at the people who he was playing with doesn't look like they were the reason for that jump, considering right. that they're 27, 28, 33 years old and, and not near an NHL level caliber. I just love to see the fact that they're kind of going outside the box, trying to sign guys that, you know, he's undrafted. He's doing well in the Finnish elite league playing with men. He's what, 23 years old. Yeah. And he's, he's six, three, one ninety five. Is that what I saw? 
He's a big boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and he's a right-handed shooting defenseman, which, you know, for a while we didn't have a ton until Jensen and Hironik and those guys came. Obviously, Jensen gone. Mike Green is also there. If that was the case and this dude worked out and made the roster, you have those three big-ass shots on the offensive zone. Watch out. Absolutely, yeah. And and like I said, I'm I'm happy that they're looking outside the box. And if that's the first move that Eisenman makes, that's a tremendous move for them, you know, right away i don't know if he'll play right away or if he'll be in the ahl next year but you know pretty soon he'll he'll make his way to the nhl if he's any good if he can well, play. It's, also, it's also a no risk move i mean yep. you're not losing yeah. anything by signing him you're not trading any players away you're not trading any picks away you're signing him you're hoping he does well if he doesn't do well i mean he can stay in grand rapids or he can go back to finland i mean it's yeah. a it's an eiserman style move where it's a a low risk possible high reward type move yeah that's a nice thing too to that point is that because of the restrictions in the in the players agreements it's a one-year deal is all he can sign for right now and it's a two-way deal so like you guys said he can go either way and if it doesn't work out fuck it yeah worst case scenario he's a depth defenseman if you know if they go into the toilet again which most people think they're going to be in the toilet again next year so like you know down the stretch somebody gets hurt mike green's down god forbid they bring cronwall back and he's hurt or something erickson can bring him up and see what they have (laughs) yeah (laughs) they can bring him up and see what he what they have in him and uh see if if they think he can play at that level or not yeah i'm pretty sure erickson's going to be the seventh defenseman this season but like, if you if Daly goes down again, you know Daly now is super injury prone. Daly goes down, yeah. he's got a solid spot. I mean, they could try and trade Daly and, and, and insert a kid like this because I don't think that. I know Gustav. That was the other thing that was announced this week is Lindstrom. Gustav Lindstrom is coming over to North America to play next season, which will probably be with the Griffins. So it's gonna be a backed up decor, isn't it? What's the Griffins decor yeah. looking like right now? Their defense uh, is going to be good. Their defense, I mean, uh, as as we see it, is going to be good. Names-wise, um, anyways. You can be as good names-wise as you want. but Well, no, no, you know what I mean, like <clears throat> potentially. You know. So their defenseman right now, they've got Jake Chelios, who's not going to make the Red Wings team. No. They've got Chalowski, who probably will. They've got Joe Hicketts, mm-hmm. Brian Lashoff, Dylan McElrath, Vili Sariarvi, and Libor Sulak. So out of those, um, I mean, they also has Philip Ronick because he played through the playoffs, but yeah, he'll, he'll be, be in Detroit he's next be year. Full-time. Yep. So you've got Ronick who will be full-time, Chalowski who will be full-time. They'll get, that'll take Chalowski out of the lineup and you can insert Lidstrom there. And then you've got uh, Kasky who could slot into the Red Wings or could go to Grand Rapids. So. The the log jam's not crazy right now. The only thing that's going to happen, though, was. no, the only thing that's going to happen is uh, looking at this list. Sorry, RV is in a boomer bust season. I I mean, it's yep. that's what it is. He either performs well or or you you might count him as a bust and try and move him. Sulak's Hickets really good, right? Hickets, yeah. I hope Hickets gets traded because there's not really any room for him and he deserves an NHL shot. Um, unless 20, they can, he's 23 years old though. I know, but unless he, they can pull off some kind of magic on our roster, I don't see how you fit him in. And that's disappointing. So what do you think the chances every... are? Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go, go ahead, ahead Tyler. 
Uh, no, I was just going to say, what do you think the chances are they they either trade some of these guys or they sign a free agent to, like, augment and, and help the uh, the NHL club this year? I'm not saying sign up Carlson or anything like that, but, I mean, I guess if they did that, that would be great. But uh, what do you think the chances are of them bringing in a free agent that works now and in the future? Minimal. Yeah, I mean, Iserman said it himself that he's not looking to make some splashy move in free agency. No, but he did say that he'll look at it, and if it does make sense and a guy like Carlson or someone wanted to come play for the Red Wings, I'm sure they would be pretty happy to have whoever that would be come in. Carlson, I think, for his injury is, is going to ask for too much money at this point. Yeah. Uh, you're more looking at, and, and we debated this earlier today, is you're more looking at maybe a sign-in trade for Zach Wierenski. I think that is the is crazy, but that's just me. I don't think that's possible. I think it's possible. You just have to give up a lot because and Blue Jackets aren't in a very great cap space, and they're going to lose aren't, Panarin aren't, and they're going to lose Duchesne. Well, they'll be okay. Aren't you better off to get Truba though? No, at that point. Nope. Wierenski's twenty one. And Truba's twenty. Truba's twenty five in an RFA. Yeah, Truba's twenty. Yeah. I thought Truba was twenty six, but. I mean, you're looking, if you're looking, and we had a, a pretty decent debate on this earlier, if you trade your first, your number six pick and Athanasiu or whatever for Wierenski, you're improving your defense and, and what could be a top two defenseman down the line, then you try and trade back up into the first. So, I mean, if you trade... Uh, for Wierenski, it's like getting Wierenski with the number six pick, which I mean, slam dunk, right? So, yeah, I I don't it think anything's be. gonna happen though. It's better. It's, it's better to have Wierenski year, than have. Do you make the attempt this year, or do you wait until the free agent period starts, and then off, and then dangle the first round pick at at the start of free agency if they can't come to an agreement with a, a, an extension for Wierenski or something like that. Cause if they tender him, then I say, absolutely go at it. Yeah. I'm not making the trade now. Like all my stuff right now is I'm waiting till free agency, unless someone comes along with a trade that's like irresistible. So you think so, it would you be wouldn't draft, trade the trade? number six pick at the draft for Wierenski. Oh, I'd trade it at the draft. If they're just saying, give me the number six and we'll give you Zach Wierenski, I'm doing that in a heartbeat, but they're going to want more. Number six in Athanasiu probably is what they would want, or number six in Mantha. Uh, if it's if it's a number six in Athanasiu, I'm doing that trade for Zach Wierenski, yes. And then I try and package picks or picks and prospects to move back up into the first round. Take one or two of those second round, like take a, a second rounder this year and a second rounder next year to and a player and a prospect to move up. Yep, I'd do that, no problem. Maybe I agree, but I think we can all agree that Kasky is a safe signing with no downside, really. That I mean, could be a high impact player or could be nothing, but it doesn't really matter because we didn't give anything up to get him. Could very well end up being like a Sulak signing. I, that's what I saw. I mean, I don't know enough about this guy without finally seeing him play a full game because like I said the highlights that I watched were straight offensive so it is what it is but I mean what he showed what I saw in seeing that the dude can play yeah well so, I mean yeah I don't think Iserman would go after him if he couldn't play no and he's already exactly shown, yeah I mean his history speaks for itself so I mean, yeah. it's, it's interesting though because you look at the free agent defensemen coming into this season. I mean, it's a guarantee that most aren't going to make it there. 
But other than the restricted guys, the unrestricted lot isn't that great. Exactly. This Who's is the not best a great, player. Not a great I mean, free agent. You got Carlson. He's out there, but he's 29. Duchesne. Carlson. Well, I'm looking at defense defensemen. Oh. But yeah, Duchesne's out there, who you definitely, I still think you kind of kick the tires on because he's a center. And the thought, I as I said earlier today online, the thought of Valino, Larkin, and Duchesne as your three centermen is kind of sexy. But <laughs> back to the defense, though, like for unrestricted unrestricted guys, you got Carlson, who's 29, Tyler Myers is 29. Going down the list here, Alex Edler's 33. This is sorted. This no. is off cap. This is off cap friendly. So, Mark Mathot, no. 34. Cronwall, 8, <laughs> 38. Uh, Anton Strawman, 32. Jake Gardner, but yeah, Jake not- Gardner from Toronto, 28. And then the next under 30 guy is Del Zotto, who's 29, going to be 30. Uh-huh. So there's really unrestricted wise. There's not. It's slim pickings, pretty much, because a lot of these restricted yeah, be... contracts have been bumped, or they started late, so their entry level started late, so they're just kind of there. It would have to be a trade. I mean, that's that's really the only either that or unless they want Carlson and they believe in Carlson. But if I, it's I for a five-year for deal, five-year deal to Carlson, I think he'd probably want six or seven, even six. I would be okay with. As long, but yeah, the, it's, it's seven or eight that I what do you think? What do you think Carlson is going to want? Carlson's going to want a seven year 10.5. You think he's going to go yeah. north of 10? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I don't think he's worth it to be honest with you. He doesn't play very much defense. You know, he, you can search on YouTube how many times he's gotten dangled and posted up in his. In his career, it's insane how many times he's been made look like an idiot out there. Um, but, you know, he brings a tremendous he brings a tremendous force to the offensive part and to the power play, something that the Wings haven't had in a long time. So, I mean, it's intriguing, but it's also risky on the defensive end where the Red Wings aren't very strong to begin with. This is his. This was his first season since being a full time NHLer. Because in 11 and 12, I guess he did play. 10-11 was his first true full season with the Ottawa Senators. That was the last time he had this few points. However, he only played in 53 games this year and finished with 45 regular season points. He had three goals and 42 assists this year in the regular season. And now he's got 12 points in 13 games in the playoffs. He's still a good player, but I mean, his injuries are scary. And I mean, he's missing part of his ankle. Yeah, so, isn't that what the was it? Erickson's got the ankle issue similar to that. Yeah, I know Datsuk had that same yes. problem. It, it screwed his couple last few years up. So yeah. I, I don't know. It's for where their defense is at. He's easily there. They he would be their number one. Hands oh yeah, I, that's not hard. Though. But I think that for what they have coming, and for the fact that Green is there, if Green's healthy, number two. Then you'd have Hironic at three. If Chalowski's there this season, four, there's your four. You have a, a solid top four. And then you can play with whatever you want. So you can have Bowie, uh, Bowie DeKaiser for your five and six. Yep. Well, we're going to have to wait to That's see intriguing, how it all down. For sure. Well, the think... other thing is, too, I don't know if I mentioned this. I said something about an eight-year deal. The most he could get is seven. Yeah, he, yeah. he can do a seven max. He'd be an unrestricted they, free agent. Unless they traded yeah. his rights. And he just got, speak of the devil, the Colorado-San Jose game just started. 
Carlson got caught at the blue line and hooked to do the ice for penalty. So there's that to your point <laughs> earlier. I guess we'll see what Eiserman does come the offseason because he's got some decisions to make, but it's all in his hands now. And uh, trust in Stevie, like uh, the Iser plan version 2.0. Yeah, but get let's, get our, let's get our final thoughts and we'll start with you, Tyler. I'm happy Eiserman's back. I'm happy that they're starting to make decisions that, that you know, help the team in the future. And hopefully we get to see this team, you know, in, in this time of the year still playing while the weather is 75 degrees and, uh, you know, Little Caesars Arena is packed at some point, you know, for the first time in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's where I would end it. And you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. Uh, I'll leave it with as though I've bitched and moaned about some of the things Ken Holland has done the last several years. If you say that he wasn't a good general manager, I'm going to call you full of shit and stupid because everything that we kind of, <laughs> that Greg rattled off earlier and things that we kind of touched on shows everything and every reason why he, to, like Greg said, is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. The Red Wings owe a lot of where they're at, pretty much everything, everything for where they're at to Ken Holland. And all we can say as Wings fans is thank you for what you did. It's a bummer. He's not going to finish his career here, at least for right now. Who knows? Maybe he does come back over, signs a one-year deal and retires in the front office, but wish him the best of luck. Hopefully they don't beat us. And on that note, uh, Twitter's RD Ryan 33. Yeah. I'm going to kind of yeah, say thank the same you, Ken thing. Holland. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward. I think we'll see kind of a, a different face of the organization, not not afraid to make moves, not afraid to hurt feelings, um, signing players for a little risk and just seeing seeing what happens from there. But you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline podcast online at Grindline Pod. You can find our podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Podbean, on TuneIn, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. We have a merch store we'd like to congratulate at Bolt Prospects for winning our latest contest where they got the, and just funny, the Kaiser <laughs> Plan version 2.0 shirt in blue. So it'll Son be interesting. Yeah. Uh, but you, if you go to redbubble.com and search the grind line, you will find our shop. I post new designs almost every week, but you can get those designs on t-shirts, hoodies, uh, sweaters, uh, cups, clocks, pillows, really anything. Yeah, clocks. Uh, yeah, I was going to get a uh, Larkin would never clock for my <laughs> office, but you can get clocks. It's pretty cool. Awesome. Uh, but go there. All the proceeds from there help us support the podcast because this does cost us money, so it helps pay the bills. So uh, for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy hockey town.